Hello, I'm Brad Riley, and you're listening to Forming the Spirit Within, a podcast where you'll find such things as in-depth Bible studies, some classes I teach on a variety of spiritual matters, as well as some conversations I want to have with you and others along the way, all of which I hope will inspire you to a deeper life in Jesus Christ. In his second Corinthian letter, St. Paul the Apostle described our lives as a process of transformation that comes to us by looking full into the face of Jesus. And as we behold His glory, we are transformed into His glorious likeness in ever-increasing measure. What an amazing thought, that we can be transformed into the very glory of Jesus. That is my prayer for you, that in some small way this podcast will help you in your transformation from glory into even greater glory as Christ forms His Spirit within you. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and not only listen, but join in on the conversation with a question or a comment. Thanks so much for listening, and may the Lord be with you. Do you all have the prayer cards? I never did get any more printed, so you might need to share if you have them. But uh, this morning we're going, this, this card, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, that card. So Sylvia has an extra if somebody needs one. We are uh, we're going to be studying, we're going to be getting John chapter 20 today. There are two chapters left in the Gospel of John. It's been a long journey for us, hopefully a very good one for you. Uh, my favorite Gospel, and it's something I always wanted to teach. And so as we begin chapter 20, we're nearing the end, but... But there still well might be, you know, a couple of months worth of study here just in two chapters. I don't don't know how long it'll go, but as long as we can continue to meet, I'm really grateful for you being here uh, as I kind of begin a new new set of of uh, work and a new set of re- realities, a new set of routines. I went on a prayer retreat last week, and that was good, and uh, just just trying to get organized. So thank you. Thank you for continuing to pray. Not only do we want to pray for our study time today, but pray for me. Continue to pray for the ministry. And uh, I'm just glad you're here. I wondered if anybody would show up today. <laughs> well, I say 20 of us being here is an indication. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. You can even get us here without food. Yeah, really. We didn't have to promise a dinner. Well, let's, let's offer our prayer before study of Scripture. Illumine our hearts, O Master, lover of all humanity, with the pure light of your divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may understand your gospel teachings. Implant deep within us the fear of your blessed commandments, that through them we may conquer all carnal desires and may be transformed to live both thinking and doing the things that are pleasing to you. For you, O Lord, are the light of our souls and bodies, and unto you we give all glory and praise, together with our Father, who is from everlasting, and the all-holy, good, and life-creating Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all. We come this morning to the climax that John has been building to. In his gospel. I want you to think about this gospel. It has been decades in the making. The ministry of John has been out there now. We believe this was written towards the end of his life. And so it has been quite a while. 
And he's, there are three other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John felt there was need of another Gospel. He needed to tell the story of Christ in a unique way, in a way that was teaching us the faith, not just reporting on the faith, not just, chron- you know, not just chronicling the story, but really teaching it. Yes, go ahead. It was done before he was in prison. We don't know the exact time it was done, but his, his imprisonment came late in life yeah. from the Isle of Patmos. Right. We don't know when this gospel was written except to know that it was written towards the later part of that first century. All of John's writings seem to come from that late part of his life. And when we, when we think about that, you know, the story that he's telling of Jesus is a story uh, that's, that's inviting us into the mystery of God, to the life of God, the chosen miracles, he calls them signs. These signs that John chose to use all through the book were specially chosen to invite us in to walk in the very life of God. Uh, He, more than any others, talks to us about the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming to be our comforter and coming to be our guide and coming to teach us. He talked about how the Holy Spirit would come to bring all truth to their lives. Now, last two weeks ago when we were last together, we closed the story at the end of chapter 19 and they laid him in the tomb and sealed the tomb. Jesus was dead. You remember there had been a rush to get him down from the cross. You remember his... They didn't break his legs. They were already, he was clearly already dead. But they were in a rush to get him down off the cross because of the Sabbath, the high Sabbath being the Passover that was happening at sundown. Jewish law said, can't leave a body on the cross during sundown. They needed to get him buried. And Joseph of Arimathea had a tomb right nearby in which no one had ever been laid. These are all little details that John brings to us. And so in that process, John, we find ourselves at, at now the beginning of this chapter, in the very first line, he tells us, now on the first day of the week. Okay, so now we put it all into scope. Bless you, by the way. Or feel free to sneeze. It's okay. I do it all the time. It's that time of year for me. just wanted to offer you a little blessing there real quick. Um, so it's the first day of the week. That's what day? Sunday. Sunday, that's right. It's the first day of the week. It's not the Sabbath anymore. That was Friday night to Saturday evening. Now it's Sunday, which we Christians begin to call the Lord's Day. Right. Okay. Because we see and we know this is the day that changed all days. Amen. This is the day that the resurrected Christ becomes the... Uh, make sure my phone is off that started to buzz but thankfully this recorder that i'm using knows that it has to silence a call there so a little tip for you you may want to silence yours too um we know that that the resurrected christ comes to the world as king now he's conquered death by his own death and resurrection so we're going to start reading about the resurrection now. This is the climax of John's story. This is the proof he's going to prove to us that Christ is risen. 
So let me read. I'm just going to we're just going to look at 10 verses today, okay? Just the first 10 verses. So I'll begin with chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter then came out with the other disciple, and they went toward the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying and the napkin which had been on his head not lying with the linen cloths, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then finally, verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 10 That's where we'll stop today. Verse 10 is a bridge to the next section. And then the disciples went back to their homes. That means John and Peter go back to their homes. We're going to let that be our bridge to to next week's session. But for now, let's look at these first nine verses. I want to point out, there's a lot in today's lesson. I want to point out some things I want you to, if you will, if you take notes, that's great. If you write in your Bible, that's great too. There's some words I want you to, as we go along, to circle or underline. Okay, John's telling of this story, his narrating of this story is very detailed and very important. So as we come to verse 1, we notice that John just gives us the story of Mary Magdalene. We know that from the other Gospels that there was more than just Mary Magdalene. Okay, there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and uh, the the others that it names there. There were three Marys, I believe. Um they're commonly called in church history the myrrh-bearing women. Okay, they were bringing myrrh and spices that were typical to anoint the body. And John gives us the detail. I think he chooses Mary Magdalene for a purpose. Mary Magdalene is is a very important figure in the life of Jesus Christ. She is one whom Jesus healed of seven demons. One whom he uh, gave new life to in a very special way. She she continued to devote her life to following him from that moment when he had saved her and gave give, healed her. So we, we see Mary Magdalene as, in, in a very real way, we see her as a representative of Jesus' ministry among women. Okay, Sometimes in Christian history, the church of Jesus Christ has been labeled sometimes deservedly, been labeled as, uh, you know, a, just a male-only club, you know, just a just a, a, a church that didn't care for the, the work and ministry of women and didn't elevate women. Nothing can be further from the truth in true Christianity, okay? Women have a very important place in the kingdom and in the ecclesiology of the church. Amen. And that's why we see, I think, Mary. This is so fitting that, that in God's providence, Mary's the first one to come to the tomb that we know of. Yes, go ahead. 
Back in those days, didn't they, though, women were pretty low in mm -hmm. social status. You're right. Women had zero, unless you were just a princess or a wealthy queen or something, you had no ownership of property. You had no rights, really. They were considered property. So the kingdom of God turns that upside down. It really yeah. does and brings women back to creation. Adam and Eve were created. It said very importantly that Eve was taken from Adam's side. And I think that's even indicative of their side-by-sideness, to be his helper. The, clearly, if you really go back and read the, the creation story, um, you, you can't get this man dominates woman. It's just not there. Now, they each have different roles to play in family, in the relationship, in the kingdom. No, no problem with that. But they're equal. Men and women are equal. And, and John's making a point here to bring Mary out as the very first thing. God's providence, she's the first one to discover the empty tomb. And I think it's important to note what John says in verse 1. He says what? He said, when did she get there? It's still dark. It's still dark. Yeah. It's still dark. How hard was that? to make? She must have made an appointment with the other ladies maybe over the weekend. They said, you know, we're... We're, what's that? She didn't have any flashlight. Yeah, she's she's carrying she's carrying spices. You know, they're all going to agree to meet there, and 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 uh, they're going to anoint the body. This is a this is an act of devotion to come and anoint the body of Jesus, their beloved friend, is an act of devotion. He's died. He's been killed. He's been brutalized, and they're. They're broken over this. But her devotion is so strong, she's up before dawn. Seems like she couldn't wait to get there. She couldn't wait to get there. She, well, didn't, she didn't do it the next day. Why didn't she do it the next day? Because it, it was still on the Sabbath. But that's right. It was the and Sabbath. I, I can't touch a body or anything that's right. on the Sabbath. Right. I Sabbath think. has all those limitations, you know, walking a certain distance, all that. But the minute she could, still dark. We don't know what time that is. We just know it's still dark. And she gets there. I think, this, again, there's a very important little phrase John puts in there, still dark. But she could see when she gets there, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. It says that her initial reaction upon seeing the stone rolled away is to run. Okay? She doesn't go look inside. We have no idea what it must have been like. You know, there, you know, the other Gospels tell us there were Roman guards posted at the tomb. Um, we, we, we just have no idea what that must have looked like right there to her. But it scared her, and she ran. And what was it? What do we, what do we learn is the reason she's afraid or she's scared? What is she afraid of? Because she thinks that Jesus' has been, body has been stolen. That's right. She's in fear that his body has been stolen. What else would what else would happen? You know, no, there's no. They don't remember any prophecies about resurrection. Nobody's used to resurrection. They're not, they're not thinking about those things. They're in grief. They're in heavy bereavement, and she thinks his body's been stolen, and so she runs. And it says that she ran to tell who? Simon Peter. Peter and John. Peter and John. Peter and John. Now John humbly, always humbly inserts himself into the narration in that third person, the one whom Jesus loved. And we've talked about that. And he does it here still. 
to tell Peter, Simon Peter, and the one whom Jesus loved. Again, we see the importance of Jesus' inner circle. We don't know why James isn't mentioned here, but we do know Simon Peter, the one who denied Christ, the one who you know, was so strong and so bold and so brash as to say, I would never deny the Lord, did. And we know if he was at the cross, he was at such a far distance, nobody noticed him, he's not mentioned. None of them are mentioned as being at the cross except for who? John. John, this John, our author today, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, and Mary's sister-in-law. I mean, the, the, the women. Who are by the Christ's side? The women and John. Okay? So, it's important that she runs to tell Peter. Peter was, I think this is indicative to show us that Peter was always seen as kind of the leader. You know, we can see that through the Gospels. We can look back into other Gospels and see where Jesus calls Peter out and gives him special places of privilege. And we're going to see that when we get to the next chapter in 21, that Jesus actually calls Peter aside and gives him special privilege. So Peter's a very much a leader. He's a good leader, a good leadership person. So she runs to the head, to Peter, and to John. John is, I think by now... The followers of Jesus, not just the 12 disciples, but the followers of Jesus. I think by now they just, they think of Peter and John as inseparable. These guys were always with Jesus. They were always part of that inner group. You can think back to the Mount of Transfiguration or any of the times when the three, Peter, James, and John, were taken aside with Jesus. And then would come back. Can you imagine how they told the story to the other uh, nine and, and how they would think, wow, you know, these guys, they know they're leaders. But... In this set, in this setting, she runs back afraid, tells them she's afraid they've stolen the body, and she runs to them, and what do they do? What's their reaction? Well, they went to the tomb also to look. Boom, immediately. They don't discuss it. They don't sit down with her and say, no, get a breath. You know, this is not, and John's the guy writing this. He's one of them, so we know this is the way it happened, right? It's a first-hand account. They don't say, you, you've got to be, you're losing it, Mary. You know, you're, you're seeing things. They don't do that. They immediately run. Well, that's all we have time for today. And I want to thank you again for listening in. I hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. While you're here, why not take a moment to add a comment or perhaps ask a question? You know, Forming the Spirit Within is a listener-supported ministry. And I really appreciate your feedback and your support. If you'd like more information on how to be a part of this ministry, you can find it online at bradreillyministries.org. Again, thanks for listening and spending the time with us today. And may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you as He forms His Spirit within you.